Welcome to this message from Life Assembly, a thriving church in the northwest suburbs of Minneapolis. Please visit us online at lifemn.org for more information. And now join us as we pursue Jesus together. Good morning. I wish the mic would have picked up what my wife just said to me. I feel like a hot mess. <laughs> now, if you came in and you saw those kids holding the sign, how many of you couldn't help but smile? I mean, seriously, seriously. If you come and you start uh, greeting with us and being at the Welcome Center or holding a sign, you will be amongst great company. It is going to be fantastic. Uh, my name is Pastor Dale. I'm the lead pastor here, and you met my, my wife, Jaina. I've got three kids, and um, one is in college, and he is uh, in his second year and loving it, and um, I was trying to bribe him to come home over Thanksgiving because he does security at North Central University, and he was like, but I don't really want to, and I was like, seriously, we've got a room for you. It's warm. We'll even vacuum it, and uh, he was like, eh, I'll think about it. And then I remember when I was that age, and I was like, yeah, I wanted to be away. But that's different now, because I'm the dad. It's different, right? It's okay if it's different. And then uh, I've got a 16-year-old who's trying to be 21, and uh, she's actually doing post-secondary at North Central right now, and, and uh, she's doing great and love her. And if you ever go to the Starbucks in, in Maple Grove, you may see her. I always say to her, who'd you see from church today? Who'd you see at church today? So just so you know, I'm getting a report. How much lattes you're buying. (laughs) (laughs) And my youngest is uh, Asher, and he's 13, and he is enormous. And I don't know what to do with him. I don't know what to do. So for those of you who are younger, or you have the younger kids coming, and um, I, I see you pregnant, and I see you becoming pregnant, I can root for you, and I can say, you're going to make it through. And then I look at some of those who have already had kids go through the home, and I look at you, and I say, am I going to make it? <laughs> That's why we need, thank you, thank you. That's why we need the body of Christ together, different places in our lives. And just to give a, a plug to uh, Pastor Jim, who's been doing a, in our, our men's meet night once, once a month, um, does pizza count? As, I guess there's meat on the pizza, so yeah, meat night. He's been doing um, this series uh, that, that's the seven stages that men go through. It's a video series, and it is, it is so amazing as we're sitting around the table, different ages, different places in our lives, and hearing different men talk about these stages together. It's been really impactful. It's been really impactful, so I would encourage you, men, if you haven't come to that yet, to come. It's, it's been really amazing, and, and so really what I've been talking to you about is a stage that I am in right now, and it's a blast. It's a blast. Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. So we have been talking about the birth of a movement, and we have been looking at, at the end of, of, the, of the gospel of Luke And then where Luke, it's like a continuation. You can just pretty much flip over to Acts as he continues to write about this movement that Jesus goes up to heaven, 
These people go wait in this upper room. The Holy Spirit comes in a mighty and powerful way. The pr- this is a promise fulfilled. And, and we've been going through, and we're on week four, so if you want to catch up, you can go online and take a look or podcast or whatever. But, but ultimately, we are in this place where we know that we cannot replicate a movement. And last week, we talked about different periods and different movements that were inspired by the Holy Spirit, that God poured out his spirit in unique ways for a certain generation. I personally believe that we here, not only in, in Maple Grove and, and the cities, although we are seeing our society go more post-Christian than ever before, I believe that we are ripe for a movement. I believe that our hearts and people who they barely even know what the gospel is. They know Jesus as a cuss word and that's about it. But they don't actually know. And I believe that our society is ripe for a movement and for God to do something in a powerful way. And we need to be on board. I don't know about you, but Jane and I have said throughout our marriage, we just don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss what God is doing. And we need to be ready. We need to be ready. Acts chapter 3, starting at verse 1. One day Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. Taking him by the right hand and helping him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Heavenly Father, we come to you in the name of your son Jesus. You have asked us to pray by asking for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So today we ask for your kingdom to come and your will to be done. Let our ears not confuse the voices of this world. But Lord, may we hear your voice. Let our eyes not be darkened by the lies of this world, but may they begin to see what you are doing on this earth and in us. We submit ourselves to you in Christ our Lord's holy name. And the church said, amen and amen. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus did not say the strongest of you. He didn't say the most competent. He didn't say the richest, the readiest, the ones who are equipped enough to take the kingdom of God by force. It tells us that God makes the weak strong. Isaiah 35 says he strengthens the feeble hands. He steadies the knees that give way. Be strong and do not fear, for God is with you. 
In the 19th century, um, a woman named Eliza Hamilton and a man named Ira Sankey, they wrote a hymn together. And uh, Eliza wrote the words. In Ira, he wrote the music that goes to this very old hymn that says, Jesus, my Lord, to thee I cry. Unless thou save me, I must die. Oh, bring thy free salvation nigh and take me as I am. No preparation can I make, my best resolves I only break, yet save me for thine own namesake and take me as I am. There's another hymn that many of us sang, and it's not nearly as old as that one, but Jesus, take me as I am. You know what I'm going to say? I can come no other way. Take me deeper into you. Make my flesh life melt away. In the early 2000s, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of embarrassed saying this, but it's okay. There's maybe three of you who've seen it. There's this Dana Carney, Carvey movie out called Master of Disguise. So there's a few. There's a few, okay. My kids love this movie. <laughs> oh, man. You know, when you're a parent and your kids watch the same movie over and over again, you're just like, oh. But of course, this movie came to mind because I can't get rid of it. And uh, he, he finds out, Dana Carvey finds out that there's a secret power in his family. And they can be, have a magical disguise. And he would, do the, he would repeat, to become another person, to become another person, to become another person. You know, and whatever, whatever character he was going into, like Dana Carvey can only do, it was hilarious. And... I think so many of us today are walking around in this mode. We, we are just seeing so many things and images of people that are just, you know, some that they just look like they got it all together. And so in order to kind of figure out who we are, we just kind of become another person. Become another person thinking that what we see around us is maybe a better option than what we have. No preparation can I make. My best resolves I only break. Yet save me for thine own namesake and take me as I am. In my own life, when I have been broken before God in a place of weak knees and feeble hands, I've been able to say, God, take me as I am for I can come no other way. There is such a weight that is lifted from us to know that we do not have to come as somebody else when we go before God. Think about that with the Lord's Supper this morning, that we're corporate, but yet we're individual. And as we're sitting as individuals to know that I do not have to come like anybody else, but as God has created me. Peter and John looked at this beggar at the temple gate called Beautiful, and I can just, you're gonna, I'm going to welcome you into my cartoon bubble for a moment. As I see Peter and John as they're walking, it's 3 p.m., it's the time to, to get to the temple to pray. And they're going to see friends there. 
They're going to see disciples, people that experienced all of this time of walking with Jesus, this movement that changed the world, literally. And they're on their way, and they're going through, and I can just see maybe a little bit of annoyance. You know, they've seen this beggar how many times? There he is again, trying to get money, and they're like, oh, brother, here, don't look him in the face, you know. And this time was different. This time was different. And it says that they looked him in the face, looked straight at him in the face. And I could just see, and again, remember you're in my cartoon bubble here of Peter, of the oldest disciples, and he starts playing through his mind just his life like a movie reel. It's just going through, and he's thinking as he was born likely around 1 B.C., moving on, and whether they picked his wife or however that worked out, he got married, starts having daughters, we find out later. He starts thinking of all these things. He starts thinking of his life as a fisherman. And then he looks back at this beggar and he goes, how did I get here? How? And he starts, keeps going through in his mind. And he thinks back of being on this boat with a family business with his brother Andrew and they're fishing. This was a gruff man. This is, this is like a construction worker of today working with his hands. His hands are just shredded from the nets. They smell from all the fish. They've sweat all day. They are working with a bunch of gruff men, and the language is not for church. And Peter's looking at this beggar going, how, how did I get here? No person that fished with him or were in the other vessels around would have looked at Peter and said, one day you're going to be a disciple of the Messiah that's going to change the world. And he didn't think that of himself either. He looks at this man and says, how am I here? Then there was a disruption. It was later 20s, early 30s. He had some kids by this time. He met this radical man named Jesus. Peter was minding his own business. People are supposed to leave him alone. He's at his job. It's harassment. But yet, Jesus found his way into the workplace. Peter been fishing all day. Nothing. Nothing. He's going to have to come home and look at his wife and say, yeah, it's going to be a little tight this month. <laughs> and Jesus said, why don't you cast your net right there from the shore? And Peter said, who is this bozo? I've been fishing all night. I've been fishing my whole life. Who are you to tell me? And Jesus once again says, do it. I dare you. Okay, it doesn't say that, but. And he did it, and it changed his life forever. It was a miraculous catch, like nothing he'd ever seen before. Peter gets to the shore with a catch that probably paid the next year's wages. 
And Jesus looks at him and says, you're not going to do this anymore. You're going to be fishing for men. Things kept spinning. Peter kept thinking of all these things that happened when he was with Jesus that never would have happened if he would have just played it safe and stayed on the boat. He witnessed the miracles that we read about. It is believed that Peter is the one that dictated the book of Mark that we read as the gospel to Mark. The only reason that Mark knows those details is because of somebody that was right there besides Jesus. He recalled being one of the three apostles that witnessed Jesus being transfigured. He heard God's voice call from heaven and say, this is my son. As the humanity of Jesus and the transfiguration was peeled away from him, the divine is seen. And Peter witnessed this with his own eyes. He saw Jesus feed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves of bread, and there were leftovers. He shivered as he recalled jumping into the water to walk on water as he saw Jesus on the water. He observed in amazement when he saw Jesus calm the storm. He was the one disciple who verbally called Jesus the Messiah. And Jesus looked at him and said, God the Father gave you those words. And in the next moment, famously, we know that he was rebuked by Jesus. Why him? A simple fisherman, a crass fisherman, a strong and smelly fisherman. He also had some not as stellar moments. Again, he was rebuked by Jesus. When Jesus said that he was going to suffer and die, Jesus, or Peter said, no, you won't. Jesus rebuked him and said, you have no idea what you're talking about. Peter also tried to be dignified and wouldn't let Jesus wash his feet. He said, oh no, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus said, well, if you don't let me serve you, then you will have no place in heaven. Peter then stepped back once again. We know him to be brash. And said, Lord, wash every part of me then. He watched from afar as Jesus was on trial. He denied Jesus three times when people recognized him as a follower of Christ, just as Jesus predicted. And then, after Jesus was resurrected, Peter somehow, somehow found himself back on that same boat, fishing, in the same places in the Sea of Galilee, thinking to himself, what does all this mean? Why am I here now? I don't, I don't understand. 
the upper room experience that happened. And here he is. And there is this powerful moment as Peter is back there and all of a sudden there's this figure on the shore and there's a fire and there's fish being cooked. And this man says, hey, throw your net over on the side. They threw it over just like the first time. And as the fish began to fill, Peter didn't even wait. He didn't care. He knew who it was. He jumped off the boat. He could care less about the boat. He could care less about the income that was about to come in because he saw Jesus. He didn't care about anything else. Peter could only come as he was. Rough, tough, sometimes crass, and a crazy fisherman. And God used him to change the course of history. In this moment of thinking through his life, he was energized by the Holy Spirit that was in him. And it says that he looked at this beggar in the face. And, it's, and he said, silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. No preparation can I make. My best resolves I only break. Yet save me for thine own namesake and take me as I am. Just as God used a fisherman 2,000 years ago, he intends to use your life as well. The book of Acts is named after the action of the church. That we're not supposed to be idle. That there are things to be done. This was a church on the move, divinely set by the Holy Spirit. This was a movement that changed the course of history, and God still uses us today, governed by the same Spirit. And God has given us, us, gifts that are at work in us today. There are six different passages that we see gifts listed out. Now, among these gifts, there are uh, repetitive gifts, and some are categorized differently. But uh, this is the list. So could you um, pull up? Yeah, if you want to go to the next slide, please. So um, the scriptures, uh, the direction that I took with the gifts that are lifted, listed in the New Testament, um, I went from the smallest to the longest, so we can start small and get a little bit longer here. So 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. What are we supposed to do with it? Serve one another. As good stewards in God's varied grace. Now one is whoever speaks is one of the gifts. As one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves is one of the gifts. As one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Go ahead. I wish that all, this is uh, Paul speaking when he was speaking of marriage. 
I wish that all were as I am myself, but each has his own gift from God, one of one kind and one of another. Now, what's really important here is, look, it says, but each has his own gift from God. Okay, I used to look at, at these New Testament gifts and I used to just really go, oh, Lord, what gift have you given me? What am I? There is no place in the New Testament where it says, the, okay, part of the discipleship process is to see which gifts you have. That's no, that's, they, they, would have, they would have looked at that and said, no, 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 that's not the way this is supposed to be. Each has his own gift from God. God has given you gifts to use. There's five of you. That's good. Okay, can you go to the next? <laughs> marriage and celibacy. He was talking also about marriage and celibacy. These are gifts. I wish that you were like me, he says, to be celibate. Celibate. And half the people said, no, thank you. Most of the people said, no, thank you. And they said, marriage is a gift too. Amen. Okay, go to the next. <laughs> and he gave them apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. We see these acting in the gift of ministry. Would you go to the next, please? So one, apostles, two prophets, three evangelists, four pastors, teachers. Now, I have pastor, teacher in quotation. I'm not going to go into this. If you are one that likes to study the Greek and really dive into things, a lot of people and theologians believe that there's actually four gifts here, not five. And the four is pastor, teacher. Because the belief is, the way that the Greek is, it's not in separate, Okay. They're, they both work together. So, for example, a pastor, if, if somebody is going to be a pastor, they also have to be a teacher. They work, they work together. And then as a teacher, if you have a teacher who doesn't have a pastor's heart, you now have an authoritarian who is not going to be loving at all. And so there, there is a belief that these are actually together. You can take that however you want. I don't care. Okay, next one. It's not, it doesn't mess with our theology. So some things, who cares, right? Okay, Romans 12, 6 through 8. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Use them. Prophecy in proportion to our faith. Proportion to our faith. This is going to be really important in a second here. If service. In our serving, the one who teaches and is teaching, the one who exhorts and is exhortation, and the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, in proportion to our faith, we are told that some gifts are stronger than others. I don't know about you, but I've looked at people and I went, that was really cool. They're amazing. Wow. Praise the Lord. They are really, really, really gifted. And sometimes I say, Lord, I, I could take more of that, right? But we know that some people have a greater gift in different areas, and we need to rejoice in that. We need to rejoice in the gifts that other people have, okay? So that is listed out like this, prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, contributing, leadership, mercy. All right, go to the next 1 Corinthians 12, 27 through 31. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Sounds like the Lord's Supper, doesn't it? Individual, but we're yet members of a body. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles and gifts of healing, helping, administering, and various kinds of tongues are all apostles, he says. 
Because the answer is no. Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all do miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in other tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts. We are being called to pray and to pursue these gifts. Could you go to the next slide, please? So again, here's another list. And there's a total of 22. I just listed them out from each scripture. So apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, kinds of healing, helps, administration, and tongues. Would you go to the next? So 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit of the common good. Hold on, let's read that again. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. To each. Now we're individual again. There's corporate and there's individual. To each of you who call Jesus your Lord and your Savior, to each the Spirit is given. I can hear an amen coming. Yes. Okay. Next one. For to the ones who is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to, um, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another to interpretations of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. As he wills. Would you go to the next, please? Again, this is listed out from here. Words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. This is not an exhaustive list. Paul was writing and, and it's like he's saying, and then there's these, and I've seen these in operation, and then there's these in operation. If you look through these and you're like, well, Lord, I don't, I don't know. We already read that each one has been given gifts according to the will of God. And let me give you an example, because this is not listed in the New Testament. Exodus 31, 1 through 4. The Lord said to Moses, see, I've called this man by name. His name is Be Bezalel, the son of Uri, son of Hur, the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with the ability and the intelligence, with knowledge and all craftsmanship, to devise artistic designs, to work in gold, silver and bronze, and cutting stones for setting and carving wood, to work in every craft. We do not know if this man was born naturally with raw talent, or when the time came, God just poured out his Spirit and gifted him. However God decide to gift Bezalel. It was supernatural. And God named him to Moses and said, he has this gift. But everybody else already knew it by what he was doing. How many of you have thought that maybe your spiritual gift is what you can do with your hands? How many of you have thought that the way that the Lord has gifted you and your mind to work is a gift from God. Last week we were sitting around a table and we were looking 
at our, this is our finance committee, and I'm looking around the table, and I'm thinking, this is really a gift from God that I do not have. And these people are here because they want to be, and because God has gifted them in the way to be able to understand numbers and how to project and how to talk together and make things work out for the future of our church. And then I started thinking of all the other places in our church where people are functioning and hospitality and, and serving and behind the scenes and, and doing things for our kids' ministry and doing things that nobody would even know that they're doing because they have a passion for it and because they're good at it and because they want to do it. These are gifts in our church. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless towards him. In other words, as God's eyes are looking to and fro through all the earth, we can say, God, no preparation can I make. My best resolves. I only break. Yet save me for thine own namesake and take me as I am. This morning, in this message, I am pleading with you to accept the fact that God loves you as you are. I am begging you to open up your eyes and open up your hearts to the fact that Jesus has given you gifts for not only this church, but for people around you. Are you willing to be used by God? Are you willing to be Peter that can look back and say, how on earth am I here? How is it with where I was born and how I was raised, can I even be here? And then confidently look at this beggar and with confidence say, because he's been with Jesus, silver and gold, I don't have, but what I have, I'm going to give to you. Rise up and walk. God's greatest joy is when you accept his son Jesus as you are. When you can accept him as you are, that's when he can really get to work. Would you please stand? This morning, I'm just going to ask if you would turn your hands up like this. This is an act of receiving. It's also an act of submission. And if you're in agreement with me, I want you just to pray along with me this morning. Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to receive everything that you have for us. Lord, you see our hands are open. Our hearts are open. Lord, we just pray for an outpouring of your Spirit. We pray for your gifts to manifest in us. And may we be bold enough 
to respond. Praise you, Jesus. Just give him praise this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In First Timothy, Peter, I'm sorry, Paul looks at Timothy. And he says, this is 1 Timothy 4.14, he says, Do not neglect your gift. And then in 2 Timothy, the next letter that he sends, Paul says, I remind you, rekindle the gift that is within you. Some of you have gifts that have been lying dormant for a long time. So, like Paul, this morning I'm going to say, rekindle your gift. Do not neglect your gift this morning. I have to be honest, I really don't know how I should end this morning. <laughs> What a powerful time in Scripture where we see Peter responding with the gift of healing with confidence because of who he was with, and that was with Jesus. May we be a church that functions in the gifts that he's given us. Amen? If you, um, if you need prayer today, it doesn't have to be about this. Maybe it is. I want to invite you to come on up for prayer. This week, this next month, start praying. Start rekindling some of these gifts. Or start saying, Lord, how do you want to use me? Maybe it'd be the first time you've ever even asked that. So Lord, I just ask that you begin to reveal to people gifts that they already have that you've already given them. And I also pray that you rekindle Gifts that may have been forgotten, Lord Jesus. Rekindle them, Lord, and may we not forget. And may you do amazing things in this church and in this community. In your holy name we pray, and the church said, amen and amen. You've been listening to a message from Life Assembly. Connect with us online at lifemn.org. And thanks for listening.